And it's, it's the one thing that has impacted my life a lot in that sense of saying that you can make money. Money will always come. Uh, money always replenishes, but time does not. So making sure that you're cognizant of how you spend your time is an absolute crucial part of everyday life, right? And, and, and these things all add up. If you had to go and calculate the amount of time that you spent on your device over the last couple of days uh, and times that by the amount of days in a week or weeks in a month uh, or your know, months in a year and just calculate the amount of time that you've lost due to just mindless scrolling through social media, right? Hey everyone, welcome to the RLT Podcast where we share some real life tools, tips and tricks to help you not only discover but also reach your ultimate goals. What's up everyone, welcome back to the 6th episode of the RLT Podcast. My name is Mono. I'm Leon, welcome back everyone. We're really getting into our stride now, number 6. I'm quite proud of us. Well done Mono, we made it this far. Yeah, hells yeah. I'm really, really amped on recording another episode with you Leon. I think the chats that we always have... um, it's just so engaging and so entertaining for not just your other people to listen to, hopefully, but for me as well in itself. I think that's the one thing that we have in common and the one thing that really, really helps us progress through this journey of creating our first and only podcast and hopefully first of many. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so the topic of today is mobile devices. Are they assets or are they liabilities? Now, I think... Oof. Most of you would instantly start seeing one direction here, the fact that uh, it is a liability. But let's assure you that it's not a yes or a no question or a right or a wrong answer. But really, let's explore the the, the possibilities. Let's uh, deep dive into the topic and, and really just touch on can mobile devices in the day and age that we live in, in the fact that we can't get away from them, form part of an asset and be an asset to our daily lives, be an asset to our daily and weekly or monthly or yearly or life goals that we set for ourselves? Or are they purely just a liability? Now, Leon, I think this one's going to hit quite uh, close to home as well, Mm. because not necessarily your habits, but what you've seen in your kids' lives growing up as well. You know, you've got kids that are very, very young that grew up smack bam in the middle of this era of mobile devices just being the centerpiece of our world and uh, connecting each other. Yeah, no, definitely. I've actually gone public and posted a lot of stuff around this topic on many of my different platforms. Um, But yeah, this is a difficult one. I've been on both sides of the fence myself. Um, seeing it as a liability, seeing it as an asset. I mean, you know, in the business life, you can you can basically say that, you know, this mobile phone has made me tons of money. You know, if you want to just really mm-hmm. put it blatantly, uh, it's a tool that I use for business. But on the other side of the coin, oh, wow, can it be toxic, eh? And um, there's so much to talk about here. We're going to definitely touch on a lot of sensitive topics tonight. I think a lot of us are guilty of... M- probably 90% of the bad habits when it comes to social media and, and mobile device expenditure of time and stuff like that. Um, we, we, we absolutely not here to preach in, in, in a way that, you know, that we saints and that we're doing it correctly. So don't take it as such, just take it as food for thought. 
Uh, we've done a bit of research on the topic. We've obviously uh, we work in a in a in an environment where we deal with mobile device security quite a lot and things like that as well. So there's a there's various different aspects, not just from the point of you know there's too much social media and you spend too much time on your devices, but that's also a gateway for um, you know putting your personal information on and getting that exploited by the wrong people. So there's just so many different angles to explore here, Martin. I think it's going to be quite a filled uh, episode. There's so many things that I hope that we can have the time to get through. Yeah, I think. And, and the first and foremost point that I wanted to raise is we've, to some extent, become addicted to technology, right? I see that in my life. I see that in in your life, most definitely, technology has formed yep. such a very big part of our lives because it does make our lives a lot easier and it can progress and it can act as an asset to not only our careers, but also in our personal lives, making it a lot easier and more accessible. I mean, we used to travel quite a bit uh, before COVID hit and it was a form or way for us to stay in touch with our families and i'm pointing out the the very very obvious fact here that connectivity is still a very big part of it but it has become quite an addiction uh, mobile devices in itself and i think the first thing i want to just hear your thoughts of leon where do you think this addiction started how did we become so obsessed with mobile devices? Well, I think yeah, it's quite it's a loaded question, and I don't know really uh, if you can really put a pin on it. But I would say, and I absolutely apologize <laughs> for anyone that works in this space once again. But I think the addiction came about with social media. Um, as soon as social media became a thing. And obviously, there's various different types of social media. But I mean, we all basically started on Facebook. And, um, you know, Facebook became Instagram and then those two companies um, acquired or became one. And now there's stuff like TikTok and there's stuff like YouTube. And, you know, it's just there's so much um, information out there. And the concept or the underlying concept that's constant if you do the research on why, um, you know, it's so addictive is because of the instant gratification, right? We're going to talk about mm -hmm. that a little bit in this episode. But we've become um, used to scrolling through um, large amounts of data. I mean, if you were to, I, I actually wish in one of the apps, let's say Facebook, I'm going to pick on Facebook tonight because that's probably the one that resonates most with <laughs> everyone. And I think even for the older crowd, they probably all have Facebook as well. Um, but I wish there was a counter at the top. Hey? Every time you scroll through a page, it gives you a count. Because by the time you're one hour into your Facebook, you've probably scrolled through over a thousand posts. And the whole thing is you're consuming data, information, pictures at such a rate that your mind is getting used to just getting gratification very, very, very quickly. And I mean, that's just one of the things. And to get back to the question that you asked is where did, where did it all sprout from? Where did it all start? Obviously, before that, there was the internet. It wasn't that mainstream. I think some of us in the IT space, you know, we got involved in the internet and we used to download, you know, music from online when it was still illegal and we weren't sure whether it's illegal and we copied it on hard drives and, you know, IT was a thing. But then, you know, there was the phones. I remember my first phone was a 3310. It had the snake um, game on it. And that was addictive. I would sit... 
with yeah. that phone in my lap in in maths class in standard eight or standard seven i forget and play that game non-stop to the point where i could get my snake to be the whole screen full you know exactly what i'm talking about i'm pretty sure yeah. most of the listeners can relate and that's also where it became a problem and that was pretty much monotone screen two colors no polyphonic ringtones nothing it was it was just a device that you can take with you that provides a certain level of entertainment good enough that you would repeatedly go back and spend hours and hours of senseless waste uh in this one little game what do you think where do you think it started absolutely i think yeah i I remember we were born in an era where cell phones weren't a thing when we were just born uh but really just basic games like snake Uh, i remember the nokia 3310 you were quite fortunate if that was your very first phone because i think that was uh, <laughs> that was still one of the top class ones. So you're obviously rolling in it uh, by the time that you managed to get your first that, phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was so a hand me down. It was a hand me down from the parents. Sure. Yeah. No. Okay. Cool. Um, but <laughs> so I remember the the first uh, device that I had. One of those those Motorola's that can not necessarily flip open, but it had a little flap over the keypad at least, so it looked really cool using it. Um, but that was just to notify my parents where we were and all that um, stuff my brother and i had to share this device and we always used to put that thing aside and play on my mom's phone because she also had uh, i think it was the nokia 5110 or something at the time that also had snake but snake one where you couldn't go through the walls and stuff (laughs) (laughs) so that became quite addictive in that sense but I, i feel that you know the addiction really only kicked in once the internet became available, right? Once the internet became a thing, once the internet got embedded into these devices, because now we're not talking about just SMSing, we're not just talking about making phone calls that all of those things cost a lot of money, but, Mm -hmm. and and so did internet, so did data at some point. I mean, loading data onto your phone, uh, you know, that become quite expensive at some point in time, but Mm -hmm. it managed to spike the addiction to some point. I think if I had to trace it back in my personal life, my addiction started back in Mixit days. I was just going to say Mixit. That was, yeah, that was hours and hours. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you that are not in South Africa, uh, that was that was our very first messaging platform, um, you know, or instant messaging platform. And it's still, uh, I can't remember how it worked, but you had to uh, buy Moolah. They, they used to call it Moolah. So you exchange uh, airtime for X amount of Moolah or something like that. I can't remember, like two rand or something. Uh, but that became this interconnected uh, world or virtual world for us. And we couldn't get off of our phones. And our mm. parents never understood it. Our parents were always like, what are you constantly doing on that phone? And we tried to explain the concept to them, but they never really understood. So you're absolutely right, Leon, in saying that when social, uh, when socializing came into play and into, into, into this mobile device world where you can now have a conversation with not only one person by texting them or, mm. or SMSing them or phoning them, you can have conversations multi- with multiple people at the same time and bouncing back and forth. And I remember we became so addicted and we became so good at typing that I would sit at the dinner table and my dad would absolutely hate his old school, his old school burki. 
And I think you still understand what that means, right? Uh, you have to leave all of your toys and spielgoed and everything, um, you know, outside the room if you go and sit yeah. and and you have dinner with them. I would take my phone, sneak it in into the into the dining room, and sit underneath the table and type and respond to my friends and just every now and then read my texts. And that was an extreme addiction. Uh, and that all came with this interconnectivity and social aspect that tied straight into that as well. So that actually brings me to um, to my next question is what amplified this? And I think you briefly scraped on this subject of, of Facebook and social media yeah. because I feel the internet was a very, very big part of, you know, that something that, that spawned this addiction to our phones uh, or yes. to our mobile devices. And then what, what do you feel amplified that, Leon? Well, I think it was the sense of entertainment that it provided. Um, it, it became the new form of entertainment. So it started up taking up an hour of your day. Then it became something that you check in with every 10 seconds to see if there's another message on it. So it was that, it, 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 it's like the device became a little... I don't know. I, I, do you remember those Tamagotchis that we had in school? We had to oh, keep a little. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It became like that where you almost felt like it's this little organism that's got something on it the whole time that you need to check in with and reply to straight away. And that was the that was the addiction. And I mean if you if you if you discuss addiction and we'll do a topic on that as well because we read up on that as well but obviously every time you get a fix for your addiction your brain um, releases dopamine which is just a very um, uh, temporary hit of satisfaction and that's pretty much what these devices in I don't know if it was intentional by the developers probably it was um, maybe not to the level it is right now because even some of the developers now admit that there's too much um, of it going around but Every time you got a like on your Facebook, I remember when 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 um, Facebook just came out, there was this thing called poke. I don't know if it still exists or not, but you mm, were able to mm. go and poke people, you know. And I would go and log into my Facebook first thing in the morning. Literally, just woke up. I still need to do my first bathroom round, but before I do that, I just quickly want to check who poked me through the evening. You know, and that was just, again, it's a dopamine hit of, oh, wow, this friend from that time ago poked me or this nice looking girl that I knew long ago gave me a poke back after I poked her. You know, it was, it, it's so, it sounds so stupid now, but back then, I promise you, everyone can relate. You, you started using your Facebook just to look at all the pokes you were getting. Then it became about status updates. You know, what are you going to say that's witty or cool about your status today? What quote are you going to um, recite? What line from a you know good song are you going to write as your status? Um, how vulnerable are you going to be? How exposed are you going to be? Or are you going to keep it mysterious? Are you going to be cool? Are you going to be talking about, I'm going to this and this club this weekend. Who wants to join? You know, it, it, it just became a platform where you can really instantly provide messaging out into the world. And get feedback on it without needing to drive in your car and go visit people. You didn't need to have that physical interaction to still get the same kind of um, gratification that you would uh, mm -hmm. by visiting them. And that's where it became, the, that's honestly uh, where it amplified is people started physically engaging less and engaging more on social media. And that, in my opinion, yeah, 
that's where the tables turn towards, I think, a lesser good outcome than what even the developers, I think, had in mind. So, yes, I think in, in, in Simon Sinek's book, uh, I think it was in Leaders Eat Last, he talks a little bit about, I think it was four chemicals. I can't remember all of them. Yes. Uh, it was uh, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and I think something else. I can't remember. Um, but when he mentions this, he, he mentions the triggers that you have in your daily lives, especially linked to technology, especially linked to mobile devices. When you pick up your device or when you hear a buzz uh, and you see that there's a notification, whether it's Facebook, whether it's uh, WhatsApp, whether it's uh, you know, uh, your banking app or your email app, um, if you see that notification, you instantly get a hit of dopamine because... Um, you get a sense of gratification by opening that specific message and seeing what mm, lies behind yes, that. Exactly. And that's all fixing yourself and feeding into the addiction in itself as well. But he also did mention something very, very interesting as well, is that we're all social beings by nature. We were brought mm. up that way, uh, not by our parents and our grandparents and all of our ancestors, but even dating back in evolution uh, to the point where tribes will form uh, as a means of getting work done on a daily basis or yes. growing their tribes or growing their community and all that. So by nature, we are social beings. And with that taking into consideration and taking technology and fusing those two worlds together just is such an absolute amazing idea. I wish I thought of it <laughs> because yeah, uh, uh, seriously, <laughs> because there's so much science going into it or scientific background or knowledge and, and concepts and principles going into it that not a lot of people actually understand that or realize that really. And and that's something that just blew my mind when, when I read that specific portion in the book as well, uh, is the fact that we are by nature social beings and even research has proven and I've uh, you know, uh, researched this immensely when it came to uh, going through that chapter of my life of finding meaning and creating a purposeful life or uh, creating a meaningful life and all of that, right? So they studied people, I think, for 70 years uh, back to front basically checking in on them every single year or every couple of months uh, to complete the survey. And what they did find is the people who live the longest are the people that have some sort of a social connection to the people around them still. The people who didn't live long or weren't necessarily happy in their last days or in their last year or couple of years before passing away were those people who were isolating themselves from uh, the rest of the world because maybe they were suffering heartache uh, due to a loved one that they lost a wife or a husband that they've been married to for such a long time that they just ended up isolating themselves entirely and that eventually did contribute to their death and and that in itself you know i feel just amplified the whole aspect of technology and feeding that addiction into technology by merging those two worlds now we're talking about addiction. We're talking about a lot of bad things here and that technology could be really, really bad for you. And we're mentioning bad words like addiction. But is the growth of technology a good or a bad thing? And can we can we classify it as a good thing or can we classify it as a bad thing? Okay, so this is, again, a very loaded question. And um, I'll give the short version because we'll probably need to do an entire episode on this. But it's good and bad and it really depends on how it's handled and um so obviously it's good a growth in technology is always good if you think about how um you know life was back in the 1940s with world war 
and you compare it with today, as much as we complain about everything in our lives, life has generally gotten better on almost every single imaginable um, metric. So, and technology has enabled that. Technology is an, an, an enabler for faster medication development. You know, it's, a, it's an enabler mm-hmm. of, um, you know, finding cures for, um, you know, viruses like we have now, like um, COVID. Absolutely, there's huge technology involved in finding cures and vaccines and stuff like that. Um, you know, technology enhances the way that we live. It enhances the capability to do certain things and how to communicate. It allows people to migrate to other countries and still keep in touch with their families back home. You know, there's a thousand, there's a billion reasons how technology is good. The bad that comes with technology is technology has been given, and I, I preach this so often, um, that I'm almost tired of now saying it again, but I'm hoping you guys hear it for the first time. But I feel like we should have been taught this in school, in some sort of subject, in life skills or something, that, you know, when you put this little device in your hand, um, your life will be different forever. It will change forever. And the type of addiction that um, people get through social media and um, using these devices that is not going to you don't need to be a unique or specific type of personality trait for this to speak to you any person will get addicted to the type of um life that you can lead inside these social media realms now the Mm -hmm. the bad thing is that that can lead to so many different adverse effects for example if you're in school and you're still a youngster and you've got a device and um, maybe you've got, I don't know, funny curly hair or whatever. Your parents probably probably won't be aware of the fact that you're being bullied online. Maybe every time you post a picture, there's some, um, you know, s- silly kid in sc- school that, uh, you know, comments on your picture and says, you know, you look like a sheep or whatever. I don't know. But kids are really mean, and and that's just one example. The other example that we've already now spoken about is the fact that it takes up so much of our time. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's really, really easy to start scrolling. I mean, um, someone called them glow faces. I forget who was the person that came up with the term glow (laughs) glow face. But if you go past a restaurant or you go past a table of a family in any kind of sitting, Go and look nowadays, and it's getting worse every time I do this little experiment. Go and look how many of the people are staring down at their phones with the glow of the you know, screen on their face, or how many people have actually put their phones away and they're having meaningful conversation around the tables. I'm seeing it even at dinner. You know, People will have dinner, which used to be sacred time in my house when I grew up. You didn't touch anything. You mm-hmm. didn't at dinner time. We catch up our dads or mothers or whatever used to ask us how was our day, what did we learn, what did we do wrong, how many hidings did we get, all that kind of stuff was discussed. I don't think families do that anymore. Um, there's just not enough time for real life anymore, and way too much time for this fake online life. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I find probably most disturbing in my age for my type of age uh, age group. So when you start looking at all these different posts online of your friends and your mates and, um, you know, friends of friends 
you start actually losing a bit of your own self-worth and you start feeling worse. And the reason for that is these people aren't putting up pictures about the day that they had a bad hair day or the day that they woke up with a snotty nose or the fight that they just had at the you know um, restaurant with a waiter because the food was cold. They don't put that stuff on social media. They just put the amazing, um, you know, holidays on a beach and it's picturesque like the stuff that you see on movies and they just show um, all these wonderful parts of their life and you start thinking wow these people permanently have this amazing life what's wrong with me because I have some of that in my life but I don't seem to have it as frequently as they do and this is one of the things I've heard so many people of my age and we should be mature enough to make our own um, conclusions about these things but yet still people of my same age group would go and look at people's photos on Facebook and say wow this this dude is a real rich kid or look how well he did for himself um, or wow look at these people they've now been on the same Bahamas trip again or wow look at these people their kids are so amazing and it looks like they've got everything and that is also a really really bad thing that social media has actually become a false place to go and create a false facade of someone's life that then makes the viewer feel almost, you know, like I don't, I'm not doing that well, or I don't have that great life like these people on social media. So that's some of the bad things. I'm pretty sure you can add on to that list and I'm sure we can probably go forever. But those are some of the major things that I find are, are, are quite toxic. Yeah, sure. I think um, it's such a big topic in itself or such a big question. Are mobile devices assets or liabilities? And if we have a look at some of the bad stuff that you've mentioned, uh, you're so right in saying that, Leon. If we had, to, if I had to think back to, I think it was our second episode. So if you haven't checked it out, go and check it out. We spoke about your how thoughts can control your actions, your habits, and your character, and all of those things. Right? Really, really interesting stuff. But this again touches a, a slight bit on that as well. Is the information that you consume on these mobile devices on a day-to-day -day basis? could be extremely bad, but in the same sense, they could be extremely good as well. So I take, for instance, if we're talking about scrolling and how quickly and how easily you can pick up your device without even realizing it and just access the Facebook app or the Instagram app or Twitter and start scrolling without even realizing what you're doing. I find myself doing that more than five times a day, more than 20 times maybe in some cases where you see your phone laying in front of you or your, or your tablet device or something, you pick it up, you unlock it and you instantly, before you even know it, maybe you thought about picking it up because you wanted to phone uh, your friend or you wanted to phone your mom or you wanted to phone your dad. And before you find yourself, you, you're scrolling through Facebook for like five minutes before you realize, oh wait, I wanted to make a phone call, right? So it's programmed into you into a habit to some extent where you just pick up that device and you start scrolling, right? And the amount of information that you receive from that device um, by scrolling through social media could be an extremely bad thing for you. But I want to flip the script a little bit here and I want to say that we've been touching on a lot of bad stuff here, but we also did ask, could it be an asset? 
right? As opposed to just being a liability. Because yes, to a certain degree, mobile devices are liabilities by default, I feel. That's my opinion. By default, if you're not aware of how you're using your mobile device, it can become a real liability. I've seen people lose jobs over the amount of time that they spend on their phones, right? I've seen people um, you know, drop out of relationships because of the amount of time they spend on their phones, whether it's for work, whether it's for um, chatting or socializing with uh, other males or females uh, on social media, whether it's um, texts coming in or being exchanged or you know, a number of different bad things can happen and can form a liability in your Liking life. Liking your ex's photos. Exactly, liking your ex's photos or liking any other girl's photos, uh, whether it is on purpose or by accident. I've had it on by accident as well. I don't know what happened, but I was scrolling and then a week later, I get in this massive, massive fight. Why did you like that girl's photo? And I was like, I don't even know this chick. I don't know how she ended up on my Facebook. Why would I? It's not even a good photo. <laughs> Why would I go and like it and risk you seeing me liking that photo? I don't know. Anyways, so it absolutely can be a liability in your life. But I want to flip the script and say, how can it be an asset in your life? How can you become more aware of what it is that you're spending your time on on those mobile devices and how can you turn that into an asset and, and break that addiction so first and foremost before we get into that very loaded uh, question in itself um, you know why is it important to break the addiction in my sense in myself uh, I can think that of a number of different reasons why you would want to break that bad habit or break that addiction to your mobile device. And it's not going to be easy because as with breaking any sort of habits, it's never ever easy or any addictions. Um, but it absolutely is so worth it getting through that at the end of the day. So in my own personal life, I've seen, you know, once I become more aware of the time that I spend on my mobile devices, and the way that I use my mobile devices can have such a massive impact on my personal life, my personal relationships. Leanne, you, you scraped on the on the topic of you know, dinner time with the family or dinner time with anyone, any friends going out, uh, maybe organizing a night out. Let's go all catch up. Um, you know, how are things going in your jobs? How are things going in your personal lives and all that? Let's go sit down at a restaurant and chat, right? A lot of people have come to the point where they say, we have a basket. We put all of the phones in there <laughs> and whoever's phone uh, buzzes first or rings first pays for the bill. Mm. So there's a number of different ways to break those habits, right? But why is it important to break those, break those really, really bad habits on your phone? And in my personal opinion, it's simply to, to strip yourself from this virtual, not strip yourself entirely. I mean, it's impossible to get away from technology because it does benefit our lives a lot, but it can contribute such a massive, massive, in, in such a massive way to our personal relationships that we have with our siblings, with our parents, with our uh, colleagues at work. Either way, it just contributes to such a large extent. And I think that's one of the main reasons you would want to break those bad habits. Leon? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, the biggest underlying thing here is, is time. The amount of time that you waste. I mean, time is a finite uh, you know, thing. One day it's all up and then you maybe spent, I don't know, by that time, two years of your life combined on, on social media. It's also quite senseless. I mean, if you go through social, I mean, how many times do you actually go through social media and find something useful that's really going to be worthy of your time and your attention? The other thing that I've noticed personally, and again, 
it sounds like I'm a saint, but I mean, I'm probably scrolling through Facebook while you're busy talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not doing that. But yeah, you know what I mean? Um, a lot of the time, what I've noticed is that time flies when you're on social media. I don't know if it's the same for you, mm -hmm. but I'll be scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And when I check again, it's an hour that's gone. I think it's because of the speed that things just comes past you. And you need to acknowledge and scroll, acknowledge and scroll, acknowledge and scroll. Your brain still needs to function on that high level of quickly looking at whether you're going to pause or continue scrolling. And, um, you know, so you burn through time like like a maniac. Um, so it's that's it, there's so many different reasons to break the addiction. But if you if you find yourself, uh, you know, there's a couple of questions that you can ask yourself. But if you find yourself. Um, maybe every once in a while uh, not listening to when your wife speaks or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever and um, when you look up they've got that look in their face like yeah you didn't listen to me you paid attention to your phone that's probably a reason to break the addiction if you find yourself um, you know spending hours on end online just liking and scrolling and adding photos and stuff like that that's a good reason to break the addiction because it's not serving you. It's not making you a better person. It's not making you any money. It's not improving your life at all. And in some cases, like I explained before, it might have even be detracting from your life and your quality of life. So it's for me, it's really about the time. It's just, it's a waste. It Most of the time, it's a waste. Um, it's, it's photos, it's pictures, it's um, fake news. It's, you know, it's, it's just really not going to serve you. So I find that as much as you said already, and I agree totally that you don't have to or need to or should break away completely, um, even though I've considered completely breaking off of it. Um, I think everyone goes through mm -hmm. that phase where they want to break and just cut ties with all social media. Um, that's not a bad thing. I think that's still something I consider strongly and maybe only keeping like something professional like LinkedIn or something. But um you don't need to just break away completely. The problem is it's like, it's almost like smoking. You know, you can't just have one cigarette before you know it, you're going to have a pack a day again. So you need to really be disciplined and say, listen, all right, I love the idea you mentioned about the basket. So I know a couple of people that say, all right, when I get home at night and my family's there, my kids are around and they came back from school and I enter the room. I immediately put my phone into a basket in the kitchen. The wife's phone's already there waiting and I do not touch it until I go to bed. So that's a nice way of managing addiction because again, an addiction is something that doesn't really go away if you just limit it. Then it's still there. Hmm. So you need to actually give time where you don't have it next to you because it, it's got lights mm -hmm. and it's got flickering, it's got vibration, it's got a nice juicy <laughs> LCD screen, you know, every time it goes off for something, you're going to pick it up, you're going to look. And, you know, for some time mm -hmm. there, you're not going to pay attention to anything around you. And that's, again, you know, why you should break the addiction. So, yes, um, you mentioning, you know, the time is the one thing that it takes away from you that you can't get back. And that's something that, uh, that Bill Gates actually mentioned when asked the question, what is his biggest fear? And for him, the one answer was for his mind to stop working. And what is the one thing that he is most fearful of losing is time. 
And this is in a documentary that I've watched on Netflix of his. I haven't watched the entire thing, but it was so, so, so powerful and so true. It's the one thing that that he cannot get away from. It's the one thing that he cannot buy more of. And it's it's the one thing that has impacted my life a lot in that sense of saying that you can make money. Money will always come. Uh, money always replenishes, but time does not. So making sure that you're cognizant of how you spend your time is an absolute crucial part of everyday life, right? And these things all add up. If you had to go and calculate the amount of time that you spent on your device over the last couple of days uh, and times that by the amount of days in a week or weeks in a month and just calculate the amount of time that you've lost due to just mindless scrolling through social media right but anyway so if we had to chat a little bit more about how can we flip this around and turn our liabilities our mobile devices into an asset right is it possible and how exactly do we go about breaking that addiction so we want to leave you once again here today with a couple of um, key takeaways and things to ponder on things to think about so we'll touch on some of the tips that we're going to leave with you um, in the next couple of minutes. But the first thing that I do want to mention on this topic of social media, I think that we've been bashing social media quite a lot today. Uh, we've been bashing Facebook quite a lot because it just simply is part of our lives and we can't get away from it. As much as we try and limit ourselves to it, we do want to know what's going on with our friends. We do want to know what's going on with our families that might have moved across overseas or uh, that we haven't seen in a while. We do want to see those photos of the newborn babies, but in the sense, how can we go and flip the script and say, we have to accept it, first and foremost, the fact that social media is playing such a big role and the fact that we can try and pry ourselves away from it, but we keep coming back to it. How can we use that as an asset? A personal tip that has worked for me is saying that I've tried not going onto Facebook. Like literally every single time I open up my Facebook application, uh, I would close it back down and say, oh, no, wait, I wasn't supposed to go and scroll through Facebook, but that's not sustainable, right? So for me, it's saying that I'm not going to get off of social media because it is interesting. It is a way for me to connect to uh, my friends and connect to my, my peers at work. So I'm not going to get away from that. But how can I at least go and use social media to my advantage and to turn that into an asset rather than a liability? And the one thing I noticed is have a look at the people you follow. Have a look at the friends that you have on Facebook because there's so much negativity. Uh, <laughs> you might be following friends or, or people that uh, you're, you might have connected with in, in high school and somewhere along the line, your, your path split away and you uh, absolutely uh, ended up resenting that person for something they did or something they said or vice versa, right? Um, and, and just following that negativity and seeing that post uh, and and it just the, the emotions that it sparks up in yourself uh, could have such a massive impact on your life as well. And that could form a liability to a certain degree, not necessarily just the Facebook posts that you scroll through that are mindless, that are pointless and all of that, but just the people that you follow. So the one thing that I've been very aware of is making sure that if I scroll past uh, through Facebook and I see something that I don't like that someone posted or something um, and it happens over and over again and I find myself wanting to actually share that with someone else and say, hey, look at this person. I can't believe they share this. I go and I unfollow them. 
Uh, if I get to that point in my life where I feel that, you know, it's, it's impacting me negatively or it's, it's sparking negative thoughts, I go and I unfollow or unfriend them entirely because I want to have positivity on my newsfeed. If I'm going to spend time there, I want to make it a positive uh, world for myself. And in, in some sense, yes, you can't get away from it because people will always be sharing that and you don't necessarily want to go and unfriend someone just because they're sharing it. Uh, but at least make sure that you're not proactively following those type of groups that do upset you. Things that just you know, boil negativity and all of that in inside you as well. So that is something that or one specific tip that I can give you from a social media point of view to say, how can we meet in the middle, right? Not strip ourselves away from uh, social media entirely, but at least transform that into, into a good thing. So I would actually not go to just the extent of, of not uh, following such content, but actually go the polar opposite and say, which groups exist out there? that can actually have a positive impact on my life, which people exist out there that I can follow that will post positivity or positive posts that will have a very good impact on my life. And uh, how can I transform my social media into an asset rather to a liability? So we'll touch on some of the the pages that I follow specifically. Uh, Leon, I don't know if there's any that you want to share uh, with the listeners uh, today. I I completely agree. It's it's really so what what a lot of people don't know, um, because they might not be in like the IT field or whatever, but all the social media walls, uh, that's pretty much the area where you scroll, um, has an algorithm that runs in the background. An algorithm is basically a set of instructions where it starts and uh, you know it it learns your behavior as well so there's machine learning it's very intelligently built it's not just a lot of people will say um you know why is there a post here from five seconds ago and then there's a post from five days ago and then there's another one from one hour ago so it's not in any kind of order that makes sense and that's because it's done by an algorithm so it takes your previous habits and the type of things that you click on And it throws those things at you first because that's how it keeps you there longer. So you need to also understand that the solution is developed in such a way to keep you on the wall for as long as possible. And that's not necessarily because the intentions are bad because you could be following good stuff. But unfortunately, it's got inadvertent side effects sometimes where you might be someone that's into, let's say, conspiracy theories. Now it's going to keep on popping conspiracy theorist type of stuff, maybe fake news about, you know, the Trump elections and stuff like that at you consistently because the algorithm has picked up that that's your kind of things that you're involved in. So Barney mentioned be cognizant of the people, pages and groups that you follow 100%. That's how you're going to trick the algorithm into only really providing and spitting out that type of information. Um, so that's definitely something that's worth your time and effort. You'll notice, um, I've, I've, for example, uh, YouTube. It's another, uh, obviously everyone knows YouTube, but it's actually also a form of social media to a certain extent. And it does the same. If you've got a specific type of um, you know, viewership trend that you have, it starts kind of just giving you that information every time you go to the home screen. Um, that similar type of videos will keep popping up. And YouTube actually works on an algorithm as well. And its algorithm is there to trick people into staying on the pages for longer. So on YouTube on the side, you've got all those suggested videos. And those suggested videos are 100% there 
because of the click you just made for from the previous video and mm -hmm. what you'll often find is and again i don't think it's intentional i'm not saying that this is at all what youtube intended because the algorithm keeps the easiest way to take you to another point if you just saw someone firing a gun for example on a video the next thing that you'll see is probably someone shooting an apple all right and then the next thing you'll see is probably someone flying in a um, helicopter shooting um, from the sky. And then the next thing you'll actually see someone shooting a, de a deer or something. You know, It just keeps getting more and more extreme mm. because it gets you to stay on the channel. It, it keeps giving you, you know, clickbait, uh, you know, as one of the terms used. It's not really clickbait in this thing, in, the, in this scenario, but it keeps giving you stuff to click on to keep watching more and more content and by watching more content they get to advertise to you more and more and all of these companies basically make all of their revenue from advertisements um facebook obviously being the the wizard and and the geniuses uh when it comes to advertisement and how that engine runs so it's important to you know i would definitely urge some of the people to become a little bit more aware go teach yourself a little bit about these things and learn about it you know google is there to help you get to material quicker so if you find yourself seeing a lot of let's say for example you are involved or you are interested in the trump election campaign and you start you know viewing this stuff on facebook now suddenly you see a lot of it then you speak to me the next morning and you've got all this knowledge about trump and i say but i don't even see that stuff on my facebook it's because Facebook fed you the stuff that you clicked on and it's going to keep mm -hmm, you in that mm -hmm. space. And that's just how the algorithm works. Again, whether that has a good or bad effect is actually determined by you and your behavior online. Exactly. So I, f I think one of the, the main things that I had to do is actually go and have a look at uh, motivational, inspirational content. Um, now, I'm not saying this is for everyone, but uh, some of the things that have worked for me and as I started actually following Fearless Motivation on Facebook, we'll, we'll link it in the show notes as well, their Facebook page, if you do want to go and start following them. Um, it's absolutely one of those things that you scroll through Facebook and uh, before you even realize that you end up on one of their videos and that just inspires you to go and have a better day or start looking for more motivational content. Another one is also uh, Tom Bilyeu. So I'll also link that in the show notes. Uh, Tom Bilyeu has some very, very insightful, his impact theory show has grown immensely and he interviews everyone from Simon Sinek all the way through to Robert Kiyosaki and all of these motivational uh, or very, very inspirational uh, people that we've come across as well. So the other point that I also do want to touch on is in, in, in the sense of screen time, the amount of time that we're spending on those devices, right? Th this can be monitored by uh, a lot of, uh, I think even Android has it built in now, Apple iOS has had it for quite some time now where it shows you what sort of time you're spending on which app. So go ahead and analyze for yourself and th this will be your action step right is see how this week you can go and turn your mobile devices into an asset um, and this is something that you have to actively go and do you're not going to wake up one day and mysteriously you know you'll you'll feel that your your phone is now or your mobile device is now an asset right so go and have a look at your most used apps and what I would recommend that something that's worked for me is I made it as difficult as possible to get to those apps. So either by uninstalling them, okay, if you want to be extreme, uninstall social media entirely. <laughs> but the more, um, 
the more sustainable method is to go ahead and just hide some of those apps in in folders you know somewhere or group them separately where you don't see them once you unlock your phone right uh, they say that it takes about 40 days to break a habit so i would say try at least to go 40 days with not with with moving those apps aside, uh, with not trying to access them as as much as possible as well, or or simply go and turn off the notifications or um, the you know you get those little notification icons that shows you that you've got three new notifications waiting for you in Facebook or in or in Instagram or in Twitter. Go and see if they, um, there's definitely a way to go and switch off it just displaying those notifications or it popping up with notifications. I'm not saying do this for your most crucial apps, but do this for the apps that you feel don't really uh, do anything for you in your life. Yeah, uh, another great tip that I would like to leave with you is to look at um, you know replacing or adding some engaging uh, productivity apps onto your mobile devices, right? So I've mentioned that I came across this great application, Strides. Again, we will link that in the show notes uh, of this episode in itself. Strides is a very, very good habit tracker, and that's something that has managed to push me to start using my phone. That if I unlock it, I do see notifications, but it's for uh, tracking my habits for that day or for logging my habits, right? So, um, and that could be anything from not eating takeaways today through to exercising at least 30 minutes or an hour uh, per day, three times a week. And you can set up reminders for that as well. Um, so that is a good application to your uh, engaging productivity application as well. Uh, come to think of it, I actually came across another one. I haven't used it yet, but it, it, it is based, uh, it's, it's called, uh, I think it's called Forest. We will also, I will try and find it. I'll add it into the show notes here. Now, the Forest application is basically based on the, I think it was called the Pomodoro technique, if you want to go and research that a little bit. But it's the the technique of um, taking little bites of time, maybe 25 minutes, to hardcore focus on completing one specific task and then taking a five-minute or 10-minute break and then doing another burst of uh, 25 minutes solid productivity time and putting that into your work. So it's actually extremely engaging because you've got a little tree that grows and if you pick up your phone, it stops um, the counter or it reminds you to put down your phone. Even if you look at your phone, I think it even tells you, don't look at me, uh, focus for at least another 10 minutes and then you earn points. And something very, very great to that is I think you actually earn uh, coins and if you have enough coins, you can actually plant or donate those coins to plant a real life tree. So they're giving back to the environment as well. Some really, really cool engaging productivity apps as well. But you can also think about adding uh, things like educational apps. So that's where I started. And Leon was the one person that, in, that introduced me into podcasts and listening to podcasts because it's educational. Uh, it's engaging and it, it stimulates the mind, right? And it grows that knowledge and you can convert that into, into skill set, as we said in our previous episode. Um, but also Audible. Audible is also a very good one. Uh, Leon, you're a person you like to read. Uh, I, I, I struggle reading sometimes, so I like listening to audiobooks. So we will link uh, Audible if you haven't heard of it. I'm sure you have. It's by Amazon. Uh, we will link it in the show notes as well. But yeah, those are the action steps um, that I would recommend, that we would recommend mm. you take this week is see how you can go about turning your mobile devices from or switching them from liabilities more into assets. Uh, something so, so absolutely crucial that you have to go and focus on doing that as well. So just to recap, 
watch out what you check on uh, social media. Follow the right people, follow the right pages, um, and find engaging pages uh, that will you know, just just spawn productivity in your life, or or happiness, or motivation, or at least um, positivity. Right. Uh, watch your screen time. Uh, the apps that you use, see how you can get off of the bad apps or at least uh, transform them into good apps and then start by turning off some of the notifications and see if you can get some educational or productivity apps in there that could you're rather where you can rather dedicate your time towards as opposed to just mindless or aimless scrolling through through social media uh, you know, content or uh, watching videos back to front. Uh, one after the other and then ending up on all of this negativity uh, or even just time-consuming content that uh, doesn't necessarily contribute anything good towards your goals or towards your life. Yeah, so basically what, you know, to summarize it from my point of view, everything else on your phone is pretty much asset. You know, it's it's mostly the social media stuff and, um, you know, that starts stealing endless and chunks amount of time out of your day doing stuff online that's actually not going to contribute towards your day. That's the kind of things that you want to kind of manage or try and not completely avoid. I mean, if you could, I think it wouldn't be a bad thing if you can entirely avoid it. If you could, that's probably the best thing to do. But um, at least try and manage it. And yeah, the apps you mentioned now, absolutely great. I mean, there's also for the guys that and, and girls that are into um meditation and stuff like that there's apps like calm and so on that really helps you to do and perform guided meditation um you know if you need to do note taking you've got um, the app called notability that helps you with note taking so absolutely everything else on the phone or the smart smart device whether it's a tablet or phone or whatever is 100% an asset. It can serve you. It can help you make money. It can help you start a business. It can help you keep in touch with your customers. Um, it allows you to keep in touch with your family and friends. It allows communication. So everything else, 100%, is is absolutely necessary in this day and age. We purely focused around, um, you know, some of the bad parts, which mostly um, comes down to the more addictive type of apps, which would typically first and foremost be your social media apps and then secondly also gaming i think to a specific uh audience uh gaming can be a big problem maybe more the younger crowd um where you'll find so many of them constantly just sitting on the phones and playing games uh that can also be a little bit of an issue or it can become a problem i'm not complete you know at all against gaming i'm just saying again it's something that you want to maybe keep an eye out and as soon as that starts taking time out of you spending time with people, that's pretty much when you know it's a problem. Yeah, great. So, I mean, that is exactly the point of the discussion today, Leon, is seeing how we can turn those devices into assets as well. So, uh, being cognizant of the time, being cognizant of the apps. And you spoke briefly about you know that addiction again um, now in saying that, you know, yes, we've spoken a lot about bad addiction and all that. But it can very quickly be turned around in a good addiction. I'm addicted to tracking my habits now on a daily basis <laughs> because that is yeah. something that gives me that dopamine hit. Uh, so I try and even keep that. Even if I know I'm going to go and exercise now and I see the notification to remind me to track that habit uh, for the day, I won't go and log that exercise just yet. I'll keep it delayed gratification, something Simon Sinek also spoke of in his book. Uh, but 
delaying that gratification till after my workout so as to give me that better sense of accomplishment once I've completed that workout as well. So 100% absolutely, you're right. We can turn mobile devices into assets. We just have to be very, very aware of it and be mindful of it and to actually actively try and implement that in our lives. That is all we have time for today. I hope this has been informative. I hope this has been actionable for you. I hope that this will make a difference in your life. Thank you so much for joining the sixth episode of the RLT podcast from myself, Mono. And myself, Leon. Thank you very much. Uh, Keep an eye out on the show notes. We'll be linking a lot of the tips and tools that we spoke about in this podcast. And we'll be back next week on episode seven. Have a wonderful week and stay safe. Yeah. And if you like the content, please, as always, share it with your friends. Give us a rate. Give us a review. And if you feel that you have anything to add to the show anything that uh, you feel that might provide value in someone else's life, please share it with us. And then uh, we will most definitely have a look into discussing that in an upcoming episode and we will stay in touch. So until then, guys, stay safe, um, keep well, and we look forward to seeing you again next time. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining this episode. We really hope that it inspires and motivates you. By the way, we're giving away a free 5-step personal budget template that will help you take control of your financial goals. So just head over to rltstudios.com, sign up for our newsletter and we will get that right over to you. So head over to rltstudios.com and we will see you in the next episode. Until then, cheers. Cheers.